Jared Sandler of the Texas Ranger Radio Network. Jared, good afternoon. Appreciate your time today. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, we were just just talking about it. Uh, in the past, everybody would be looking around going, man, are they going to play tonight? Well, not a problem. Roof closed. Let's go. Yeah, you know, I thought that this was like the more underrated benefit of the roof. Everyone talks about the heat, and there's no doubt that probably in about a month or so, uh, through you know mid August or whatever, it's going to be an incredible asset. But uh, it does rain here. We're not Seattle, but it does rain. And uh, knowing that you know you can make a forty minute drive, or maybe you're driving from uh, Waco or wherever, and you don't have to worry about a rain delay or a possible rainout or anything. It's awesome. You know that whatever. Uh, the schedule has a home game that's going to start on time, and that's definitely the case tonight. Jared, a lot of energy to get the team back to 500, and then the uh, San Francisco and Houston road trip. Did you what? Did you see anything different in in the road trip from the way the team played, or or is this just baseball? You're going to have some of the the ups and the downs. I, I think it's it's both. I think you know it's it's baseball, and it's also this team. Uh, you know, and I, I understand we're all eager to get excited about things. And, and I don't blame people for that, but uh, you know, 18 and 18 is 36 games. You know, if they were 60 and 60, that would be a little different, but uh, you know, I, I think some people maybe recalibrated their expectations just because the team was 18 and 18, but it's a young team and they're, they're going to have volatile stretches like they just did where, you know, they go and then lose six straight, you know, an entire road trip. Uh, I, I think, you know, from a baseball standpoint, the the command and control that the staff demonstrated uh, throughout the first 36 games was a little more absent, especially in that Houston series. But, you know, that's also a credit to the Astros. They're a really, really tough offensive group. They might not be as talented as they were a few years ago, but they're still the best two-strike hitting team in Major League Baseball. And, uh, they make it awfully tough on pitchers, and, and they maybe bring it on pitchers to, to have a little uh, lapse in command and control. So, uh, you know, I think we saw that, some critical defensive miscues in that San Francisco series. Both games uh, were tight games that uh, maybe were broken open or, or, or put out of reach a little bit because of a, a throwing error from Charlie Colberson, which just isn't the norm. He's really good defensively. He made a tremendous play last night. Uh, and the bats, you know, for the most part went quiet, but I think that's the part to me that's the most normal. I think that, you know, this is a lineup filled with guys who are actually, you know, playing pretty well. I, I just looked last year, the Rangers finished with not a single qualifying hitter who had an OPS above league average right now. They've got six. Uh, so the lineup in general has been good, but I think it's going to be a streaky lineup just because you don't have a bunch of proven known commodities and there's going to be some ups and there's going to be some downs and that's kind of what we saw over that road trip you mentioned ups and downs and in 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 what may in some twists and turns whatever however you want to describe it talk about chris woodward i don't know chris i mean it, it just but it does seem from the outside looking in that he's he may be the right guy to guide this team i mean he, he doesn't seem to get too worked up when it's good he doesn't seem to get too worked up when it's down yeah, I no, I would agree with that. And and you know the the way I kind of gauge it is, uh, you know, I think it's really easy to love a coach in any sport when either you're playing a lot or maybe you love your role or the team's winning. But you know the team isn't winning right now. You know this is not a 
a World Series contender. So that gives players a license to be disgruntled. But, you know, these guys to a man, and, and you know, I get the chance to talk to a lot of them, uh, not, you know, with the, the microphone rolling or the cameras rolling, they love this guy. They believe in this guy. They, they believe in the culture that he's trying to empower them to create and, and develop. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you could take a step back and uh, say, well, but, you know, his record is this and that and whatever. But I think you also got to look at the cards he's playing with, right? You know, it's, it's not like he's been dealt pocket aces or anything close to that. You know, he's, uh, it's unfair to measure his abilities as a manager just by looking at the record because uh, not that the players aren't going out there to try to win and not that he's not going out there every night to try to win, but organizationally uh, winning now is not as much of a focus as winning in you know a year, two years, three years. And so uh, I think those things have to be considered for people who want to just look at the record. Uh, I think the implementation of, uh, you know, a, a new program, for lack of a better word, I think is what really has stood out to me. And we're seeing some of those things translate on the field, like the two-strike hitting improvement and like, as we talked about a second ago, this pitching staff's ability to uh, control the zone a lot better. Jared, going back to the game last night, were you surprised to see how they rocked Garrett Cole? You know, it's funny, yes. I, I don't think anyone necessarily expected uh uh, that Garrett Cole has struggled in Arlington, you know, his last three or four starts and last night, uh, no different. I mean, this, this, this guy's the best pitcher in the American league and maybe the best in the majors. You know, I, I think a lot of people would probably give the nod to Jacob DeGrom, but, uh, he's not far off, uh, but they had really good at bats and, and they had a lot of two strike damage, which is really tough against Garrett Cole, who is so good at just, you know, getting ahead and putting guys away. Uh, you know, I think I saw that like the Vegas money line was minus 270. And I would venture uh, to guess that there will not be 10, maybe not even five games this year with a steeper money line uh, underdog situation in which the, the underdog came, came out to win and came out on top and won. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, definitely was surprised. But, you know, on, on the other hand, it's like that's kind of baseball where, uh, you know, if you really kind of fall day to day, you know that none of these things are guarantees, even if, you know, I could start on the mound against Garrett Cole and, you know, who the heck knows what would happen. I'd get pulled after like two batters, but maybe, you know, the offense could get the job done against Garrett Cole and, and the team could win. Uh, thankfully, the Rangers didn't have me starting that Jordan Lyles. And he actually was really, really good last night. I saw your tweet last night about Isaiah Conifalefa. What makes, in your opinion, why do you think he is the right guy to build a clubhouse around? Yeah, I just think his mentality, uh, and and you know, to clarify, not you know, you know, for people listening, I don't think that like he's the guy you build a lineup around. And they're two different things, uh, but he is, as you put it, he's the guy you build the clubhouse around. Uh, he has got this son of a gun attitude, and you know, he could be on the field with Mike Trout, Babe Ruth, Willie Mays, and he still thinks that he's the best player on the field, uh, and I like that. You know, I, I, I want that in my guys. You know, when he stepped in the box against Garrett Cole and delivered a big uh, RBI double, I can guarantee you that in his mind there was not a speck of doubt or fear or anything, oh, I'm facing Garrett Cole. Uh, you know, he works his ass off. There are a lot of guys who play with a chip on their shoulder and they like to present all this bulletin board material, but then they go home and play video games for 20 hours and don't put in the work. Uh, Izzy's a guy who, you know, his work ethic is, uh, you know, second to none, uh, he's got the type of attitude 
that you often can find in teams that are perennial contenders. You know, it's easy to kind of walk around with that swagger, like, you know, I'm the best son of a gun in the block when your team's winning. It's not as easy when you're in this spot, you know, when you're rebuilding. But I think it's so important to have a guy like Izzy. I don't know that he is the guy. You know, in baseball, I think, you know, we've liked to maybe in the past identify Michael Young and Adrian Beltre, and we kind of hailed them as the guy. And, And, yeah, they probably had the most command within that clubhouse or within their clubhouses, but they weren't alone. And so I don't know that Isaiah kind of needs to be the guy like at the very top of the pedestal, but he absolutely is a part of the formula of building uh, the culture that I think this team wants to build moving forward. I don't want to look too far ahead, but me and a, a coworker this morning, we're talking about Joey Gallo and it, I know his contract up is up in 2023. What do you think the market value is going to be for him, especially coming off a year where he hasn't really been lighting it up? He's been you know, more disciplined and taking the walks, but he's not putting out those home runs that people are used to seeing. Yeah, it, it just depends on how many teams need an outfield. Are you talking about the trade market or the, the free agency market? Just like the trade market. Yeah, I mean, it, it really just – it, the trade market's so weird. It, it's not like this standardized deal year in, year out, because it depends on, A, how many teams need an outfielder uh, versus how many teams want an outfielder, right? You know, there, there's a big difference if a team needs an outfielder, like, say, you know, what the White Sox are going through or the Mets versus a team that, you know, we could use an outfielder, but we're not going to give up, you know, that big prospect to get him. And then also it, it depends on how many teams, right? Like it's, it's, uh, uh, the market is developed by what's out there. Uh, so just the, the sheer number of teams in general that are looking, and it might not just be an outfielder. Maybe it's a left-handed bat. Maybe it's uh, some power. And, you know, the home run stuff, it's interesting because you're right. In April, he looks like a single hitter, but in May, he looks more like Joey Gallo, the power hitter. And right. so it'll be interesting to see, you know, a month from now, what maybe uh, has, has the prevailing uh, character type, if you will, uh, but I, I do think I do think there's going to be a lot of interest in him as far as like what to expect. You know, maybe you get a maybe maybe you get a top fifty prospect in baseball. Maybe uh, I don't think that's a guarantee. I think you can definitely get a top one hundred prospect. But if you just look at the track record of guys getting traded, guys who are big names who you would think you know ten years ago would have uh, brought back a haul, that uh, just doesn't happen. And the example that I've used here recently, I know there's a little bit of a difference by maybe half a year, but let's say Joey Gallo gets traded to the deadline. You get a year and two months of Joey Gallo versus the Mets who really only guaranteed to get a year of Francisco Lindor and Cleveland got, I mean, nothing really that exciting. They got a couple of guys who like maybe could be good, maybe, you know, but like not great. Uh, And we're talking about a guy who at that time was seen as maybe the best shortstop in major league baseball. So, you know, it, teams are just holding on to their prospects a lot, uh, you know, a lot more tightly than ever before. Uh, from a strategic standpoint, from a business standpoint, it's just what's most valued right now. So, um, you know, the, these Mark Teixeira trades that really helped turn around the, the Rangers uh, more than ten years ago, those just don't happen anymore unless it's maybe a guy like uh, Mookie Betts. But if you even look at the deal that Mookie Betts was a part of is the second or third best player in baseball. Uh, even Mookie Betts didn't bring back a haul for Boston. So, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see how the, the trade market has changed. And unfortunately, sellers 
uh, are the ones who are suffering the most. The buyers are able to get guys for maybe pennies on the dollar for what it used to cost. Jared, I know you. I know you got to. You got to get going, and you got the broadcast coming up in an hour or so. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts on on what I think is a rarity in baseball. You saw. You saw it last night. Adolis Garcia with uh, a steal of home and a home run in the same ball game. That's kind of cool. It is, yeah. You know, it's not quite the Jackie Robinson straight steal of home, but uh, it's still cool nonetheless. And it was, you know, I, I think a, a pivotal moment, not that it, it broke a tie or anything, but, you know, this is a Yankees team. Whether their offense is struggling or not, it's still uh, the New York Yankees with some pretty impressive names in their lineup. And just to uh, give yourself a little extra cushion uh, and, and to do so, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know this to be true. Uh, you know, is a run on a ground out RBI the same as like a double steal like that? You know, that counts the same, but like, does is, is giving up a run the way the Yankees did a little more dejecting? I don't know. Um, but it definitely seemed like, you know, that, that brought some energy back. Uh, and, you know, it's just a fun play to, to see that. And, you know, honestly, guys, it was horrible execution by the Yankees. Uh, you know, for them to throw down in that situation and not be able to execute it uh, was, you know, really poor. Uh, you know, you either don't throw down and, and doing some research. They hadn't thrown down in that situation at all this year. For whatever reason, they elected to throw down uh, last night, but then the throw short hopped uh, or was wide, whatever, DJ LeMayhew, so it made it tough for him to throw back home. It was just really horrible execution by the Yankees. And, uh, you know, nice job by the Rangers of putting themselves in a position to steal a run. As always, Jerry, we appreciate your time. Have a great call tonight, and uh, we we uh, we look forward to visiting with you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. You bet, Jared Sandler from the Ranger Radio Network.